What is going on, JR Capital Nation podcast subscriber, podcast listener? This is the JR Capital official podcast. I am your host, founder and CEO of JR Capital, Carlos Garcia. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I hope it's uh, entertaining and educational. As always, thank you guys for your support on Instagram and all social media. This is our new episode. We're going to talk about IPOs, initial public offering, and of course, the elephant in the room, Lyft. Let's talk about it. It is going to be available on Friday. So this one, this podcast episode is one that has been requested uh, through Instagram DMs, uh, direct message. So thank you so much for your feedback, guys. Again, this is your show. I want to hear your feedback. Please let me know. If there's any subject you want me to talk about, go ahead and email me, garcapital at gmail.com, subject line, podcast, and I will skim through them and see what's the best subject. So again, due to popular demand, let's talk about the Lyft IPO. I know you're excited to talk about it because it's a company that's been released that's probably the most recognizably known uh, or most anticipated, probably other than Uber, uh, IPO that's going to come out this year. So again, I'm going to kind of go over here. What's an IPO first? Uh, what's an IPO? How does it work? And exactly what to expect? And is Lyft a good spot for your portfolio long term? Let's talk about it. All right, guys. So again, an IPO is an acronym for initial public offering. So this is the first time an actual stock or company is going to go public, raise public, public cash. So again, it'll be fully public. Again, they are, due to, they are now going to be scrutinized with quarterly reports. And again, public money, very, very important. So again, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen The Wolf of Wall Street and the Steve Madden IPO and all that jazz. So again, if you've seen that, that movie, again, completely different story. I don't think there's any kind of scams here or whatnot. I don't think that the Stratton Oakmont is doing the IPO this time. But if you have seen the movie and you kind of understand how it works, again, initial public offering, first time stock is for sale to the general public. So again, I'm going to kind of give you the steps on how an IPO kind of starts. So again, you have a company like Lyft that, would, that was private. Again, you know, Silicon Valley startup. We've heard of these before. So they started their rideshare to compete with Uber. Now, as they make enough money from early investors, angel investors, and what have you, they raise enough capital. They see their viability with profitability and what have you and growth. They want to gain more cash. So what they do is that they put their company up for sale in a sense or up for auction. And again, every day in the stock market is an auction in a sense because you're auctioning off shares. So again, you're talking about millions of shares that are going to be dumped into the market. that are going to be available for purchase by retail investors, investment banks, mutual funds, all those. So keep that in mind. Uh, you're going to get a lot of shares flooded in the market. So how an IPO, IPO kind of starts is that these kind of companies want to look for cash. So they, they entail higher investment banks and they buy to get their business. Investment bankers make very good money. So, you know, JP Morgan Chase, uh, you have Goldman Sachs, uh, B of A, Merrill Lynch, um, Morgan Stanley, City, the big boys. They're going to compete and kind of woo uh, Lyft to say, hey, we want to win your business so we can put your company out as an IPO. Because the benefit for them is that they'll get first dibs to sell it to their uh, investors or their clientele. The high net worth individuals, again, accredited investors, credit investors, keep that in mind. Again, so this is not available as of yet. This was already kind of pre-sold, kind of like uh, pre-sell tickets to like the Avengers per se. You know, you have to pay ahead of time 
and uh, you get access to the best seats or, you know, kind of how it works. So in a sense, accredited investors get the first dibs. Well, you have to be an accredited investor to be an investment bank client or a high net worth individual. So again, you're talking about those guys are clients of the bank. So we're going to use for an example, JP Morgan Chase here. So again, an accredited investor, again, is a term by the SEC. Now you have to know exactly what is the exact uh, level for an accredited investor. So accredited investor is a person who has a net worth exceeding $1 million, either, either individually or jointly with a spouse. So again, you also have to have an annual income exceeding 200 or 300,000 for joint income for the last two years with the expectation of earning the same or higher income in the first year. Again, I'm reading this through investopedia.com. Again, this is SEC. Uh, an entity that's an accredited investor, private business, development company, or organization with assets exceeding $5 million. So again, you have to apply to become an uh, accredited investor because they kind of believe the fact that you know what you're doing and you have the net worth to kind of handle the kind of risk. And you, you know, you're not some regular Joe Schmo, though not to insult anybody, but again, someone with a smaller net worth that's just going to buy a couple shares. They're talking about the big guys, the guys with, you know, the smart money, let's just call it. So again, JP Morgan Chase says, hey, I lift, we want to go ahead and you know, put your public company public. They woo them through steak dinners or golf outings, who knows? And, I, and then Lyft says, sure, you can pick us at the IPO. We're going to choose you, JP Morgan Chase. Fine. So JP Morgan Chase, high net worth individual clients, accredited investors are going to get first dibs. So what they do is that they do something called a roadshow. So they go in presentations and they say, this is why we think Ally, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Lyft is a great company and this is what we expect and this is how much we think it's worth. Do you want to buy in? They raise enough capital ahead of time and they put their target price on their IPO based on shares outstanding and future growth, P&E, uh, which is price and earnings. Again, those earnings are not available as yet. In a sense, they don't have to release that information until it's public and they file their quarterly reports, which is still a federal law if you're a public uh, company. So again, let's say you are the accredited investor. You bought, some, you bought some shares ahead of time. That's the benefit of being a high net worth individual or accredited investor to buy these stocks or buy these kind of IPOs ahead of time. So according to the Wall Street Journal today, they had a release. We posted on Instagram that the, share, the shares targeted, our shares are above the targeted range of 62 to 68 in the IPO. So that's a really good sign because you're starting to get in some demand. A lot of people want to get in on this, on this IPO. It should be the hottest IPO this year. Uh, we just had Levi's Jeans come on an IPO, I believe, last week. Again, we have a lot more coming. We have Pinterest. We have Uber. We have uh, WeWork. All those guys. And then you also have uh, Airbnb. So with that being said, a lot of IPOs are coming in. So a lot of new money or you have to sell some stock in order to buy these, buy these stocks. So again, I'm going to kind of give you a breakdown on what I think of this IPO. So again, if there's one thing I do like when I take a look at investments or companies, I'm looking at this as a company, is that are they a disruptor? Are they changing something? So let's kind of give ourselves a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of perspective here. In 1999 to 2001, we had a flood of IPOs from tech companies that didn't make any profit and it was just a crazy bubble boom, what have you. How does this differentiate from a Lyft? Well, Lyft is not profitable, let's just say. Just keep in mind, they're not profitable yet. So again, you're really investing in the idea of a company, just like any stock of growth. So they're starting pretty much from negative territory. Do you expect Lyft to grow anymore? There's a lot of competition out there. Big elephant in the room is Uber, right? We know that. So is Uber enough to eat their lunch? Well, you know, there's also other companies, other things, entities out there, you know, like a DoorDash, but they're not a ride sharing. They're more of a food delivery service. You also have Postmates and all those guys. 
So let's kind of put those on the side. The food delivery is not an issue for Lyft. They don't do food delivery that I know of. Uber does have Uber Eats and Uber just bought an entity in Dubai. They're, they're actual a competitor in Dubai. So again, they're trying to do some acquisitions ahead of time. Will Uber be a larger IPO? Absolutely. I will equate this to you, the listener. There is enough money to go around. The only, the ride sharing service is really just a duopoly, meaning two companies really run it. It's Lyft and Uber. You know, if you look at your phone, you see that you have either Lyft app or Uber app. And I don't think you can really differentiate what you prefer to use. I don't think you have any kind of preference, really. I mean, there's drivers who do both. Um, from what I was told from Lyft drivers, I've actually asked that they actually do pay more. They actually pay more than Uber. Um, again, if that affects you in any way in regards to your profit margins or how you feel about the company, that's fine. But again, I do believe Lyft is a good company. I think there's a lot of room for growth. I kind of equate Lyft and Uber, but they're a duopoly in the comparison to MasterCard and Visa. Now, they're both credit card processors and debit card processors. They're a processing company. They really don't have any kind of exposure to banks or lending. They're just a processing company. They make a fee from every time you swipe the card, and that's how they make their money. Um, there's a lot of regulation there, too, as well. Um, there's a lot of merchants that don't like uh, those processing percentages because it costs them money. So it's not exactly uh, easy for Visa and MasterCard to maintain their great margins. Again, there's always fights, but again, they lobby in Congress to make sure this, these kind of legislation to cap uh, processing rates for merchants, uh, you know, that's not going to go away. And, you know, it's more electronic as we go, less paper money flowing around. MasterCard and Visa, I've liked MasterCard and Visa since their IPOs, and that's years ago. Uh, Visa's IPO opened up at, I believe, $80 a share, $70 a share, if my memory serves me right. And Visa now is at $155. So again, again, I'm not saying they're the same, but again, you kind of want to get in on the ground floor here. So I think that comparison here is very, very similar, like a duopoly, Visa and MasterCard, Uber and Lyft. So again, Lyft is the first one out the gate. They're going to get their IPO on Friday. Should you buy shares? Personally, I'm going to give you my opinion here. I am going to buy shares on the IPO. Now, you may say they're overpriced or what have you. I just want to get in on the ground floor for the long term. Now, granted, this is not a trade. This is a long term for me. I have some extra cash that I can put to work that I'm never going to touch for years. I'm not going to touch this. If this is your emergency fund or vacation fund or you know anything like that, college fund, something that you may need in the immediate future, absolutely not. Do not invest in it. Absolutely not. This should be money that you don't need. You don't need to use right away. I don't want you borrowing money to buy this IPO. Absolutely out of the question. Don't use margin. Don't do anything crazy. Come on, guys. Be smarter than that. Again, this is, I would say this is a company you want to hold at least five plus years. I look at Lyft and Uber as a disruptor. And I'll give you a little bit of an anecdotal uh, evidence here. I travel quite a bit for work. So, you know, I travel to Columbia. I, I'm going to New York next week. Uh, I've been to Texas. Name the place I've probably been there in the last couple of days. I've been to Madrid too. And I usually take an Uber or Lyft to the airport. So I don't want to park my car. In Miami International Airport, it's $25 a day to park a car. And it's not really worth it to me if I'm staying over three days. It's just too expensive. I'd rather just, just lift it there or Uber. Fine. And on the way back, I actually take a cab. But this is funny. I actually have landed at MIA, got my bags, and I've waited by the cab stand. And there's always a cab available. But yet I see a line for Uber or Lyft a mile long, literally tons of people waiting for Uber or Lyft while people have taxis readily available. That's a disruptor, guys. That's a change in just transportation 
and the idea of public transportation where, remember, taxis are pretty much the universal, the universal occupation, in, well, the global occupation. There's, that's like the universal code. You say taxi in any language, they know what you're talking about. It just works that way. There's always a taxi in every country. As long as they have cars, they'll have taxis. But yeah, seriously, you'll see people waiting for their Uber or Lyft instead of taking a cab. And I'm thinking to myself, why would they do that? So why would somebody choose Lyft over Uber? I think a couple of things that stand out here is that, you know, you get your own driver. In a sense, it's like your own driver. Yet their taxi cabs are your own driver too. It's just a sense of perception. You know, you can go on your app, you put exactly where you want to go, you know what you're going to pay ahead of time. That's pretty important. In a taxi cab, you don't know exactly where you're going to pay. The meter just starts running. Again, I think a lot of people want to know what they're getting into before they do it. You know, you want to know the price before you buy something. Kind of in your mind, you budget. I mean, it would be a difference of $5 maybe. But I think that kind of control of having it on your phone, putting it exactly where you are, pick me up here, drop me off here, this is the route, uh, there's surge pricing, this is the price, and, and what have you. And you see exactly who your driver is, there's reviews, oh, he's a nice driver, he doesn't talk a lot, it's a clean car. You could pick the car you want, SUV, minivan, uh, you want a Lux, whatever. There's different ways. You could even pool your, your, your ride if you want to save a little money. I usually don't pull it. Again, I just do it myself. I just ride by myself. So again, taxi cabs really don't have that kind of flexibility. And that's just a testament to Silicon Valley and innovation. Something so small as ride sharing or you know, a, a service where they just, a transportation. The, probably, you know, ever since cars were invented, we've had cabs, we've had taxi drivers. So again, what's changed here? Again, it's a difference in just a generational deal. I think it's just progression. I think the more we have Lyft and Uber and the more money they're going to get, I think cabs are really just going to go out, of, go out of business in the U.S. in a sense. And I think this is a very important key. And I think a lot of people are missing this. I even think automobiles, in a sense, owning a car or leasing a car may go out of business depending where you live. I live in downtown Miami and I'm literally three minutes away from the office, GAR Capital Office in Brickell. And I have a car and I barely drive it personally. I really barely, it's, it's in the garage. It literally is in the garage. But again, I like the flexibility of a car, go wherever I need to go, right. But do I necessarily need a car? If I did the math, not really, not really. So if you have Uber and Lyft and you live in a major metropolitan area and there's a lot of people there, that's a lot of cars that you don't need to buy. That's a lot of automobile sales that are missing. Again, automobiles are pricey. The price of automobiles have gone up. I think the average cost now is about 33000 the average term of a loan for a car is about 66 months now. The longer the term, higher the interest rates. You got to insure the car. You got to maintain the car. You got to clean the car. A lot of people are just over it. I think most people are saying to themselves, why do I have a car? I could just get a lift pass, which is $300 a month. Actually, one of our VPs, he doesn't even drive. He takes a lift pass, which we actually give to him as a benefit for working with us. He actually takes a lift every single day. For $300 a month, he takes a lift. Unlimited lifts to the office and he has no wear and tear on his BMW, no miles in his BMW, doesn't have to put gas. Yeah, there's traffic a little bit, but he comes from Miami Beach all the way to, to downtown Miami. And that saves him a lot of headache, a lot of driving. Now, again, is he in traffic? Yes, fine. Rush hour, right? Miami, you can't beat that. If you're from Miami, you kind of understand what I'm talking about. But again, you really don't need to drive if you don't want to. And that's part of the disruptor effect in the economy that I really like from Lyft is that I think it's going to affect the car makers too. Now, 
And it's also affecting the taxi cab industry. I think there's a lot of room for growth here. That's why I'm putting my own money into Lyft. Now, again, the argument I've gotten back is that it may be overpriced. You're paying for a non-profitable company. Keep in mind, guys, Amazon was not profitable for years. They burnt a lot of cash to grow. Tesla was not profitable for years. They burnt a lot of cash to grow. You know, whatever your opinion is on Tesla or Elon Musk or Amazon, again, they're still big companies. They're still publicly traded companies. They're still in business. Tesla is a market disruptor. Amazon is a huge market disruptor. I mean, Sears, out of business. JCPenney hanging on by a thread. Amazon came in and they said, we could change the game. We'll get you Amazon Prime, two days shipping. You just pay X amount. Think of it, you pay X amount, you get unlimited shipping. You pay X amount for Lyft, you get unlimited Lyft. I love that. I think that's a really, really great touch by Lyft as a company. Uber has this past too. And again, and also, it's changing kind of the narrative in the job market, the side hustle, which has changed the game here. A lot of people can use the current car they have and turn on when they want to work. I mean, if you need some extra cash for a vacation, extra cash to pay off some debt. Remember back then, it used to be just, you know, deliver pizzas, deliver pizzas, drive your car, deliver pizzas. Forget deliver pizzas. Why don't you just drive an Uber? You know, think of the times that are really, really busy. New Year's Eve, the holidays, picking people up from the airport. I mean... What I really, really think is a big hint in the market is that the scrambling of governments to regulate Uber. Again, think about the tobacco industry, how that's been regulated. When those things are getting regulated and a lot of, a lot of uh, governments are trying to change things to fit, to fit the mold or to fit a new industry or disruptor, that's pretty big. Again, I like that, like a Tesla. And I just think, I don't own Tesla personally, I just don't like the management style of Elon Musk, but that's for another story. But look at Amazon. Amazon has been under this microscope of democratic leaders of pay and work conditions. Again, you know, it's changing the game. It's changing the game. Amazon wants to buy their own kind of freight company. FedEx and UPS are shaking in their boots. I think that's kind of be the same example with a Lyft and an Uber, is that they're going to change the game for car manufacturers. And usually in recessionary periods, car manufacturers take a big hit. Not everyone's buying cars. So again, those are the kind of things I'm looking for, little hints. Again, you want to take a look in a sense of what's changing the game here. Lyft and Uber are really changing it. We've seen more people using Uber and Lyft. It's become the lexicon of a new lexicon in American society. People don't say, I take a cab. Oh, I'm going to Uber. I like that. I think when companies say, you know, you kind of equate a certain product or some kind of new deal to a name of a brand. I think branding is very key. For example, Starbucks. You know, you think Starbucks, you think coffee. We think soda, you say Coke. No one goes somewhere and says, I want to get a Pepsi. They say, I want to get a Coke. We say, you want to get a coffee? What do they think? Starbucks. That's the key. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on Amazon and buy it. You know, just say Amazon. Remember, Amazon used to just be a jungle or a river. Now it's a freaking online store. So that's something I like. People say, I'm just going to lift to your house. Oh, I'm just going to Uber to your house. That's huge to me. Those American brands are the key to, honestly, and in this U.S. economy, it's all branding, it's all advertising, it's all marketing. And again, that, that just does it for me. It's an example. I, I think another one too, I, again, I love PayPal. People say Venmo. Hey, Venmo me. I like when people cha- change that. Oh, Facebook me. Oh, Facebook ad me. Remember, Instagram me. I like that. I like that change of the narrative, change the name, change the culture. It's changing the culture of the United States economy, not in a grand scale, but somewhat. It's a disruptor. So again, the kind of the subject here I'm talking about is disruption. 
This is why I like the IPO. Granted, the fundamentals may not be there. It may be pricey, but again, we don't know if we're going to get in this kind of pricing again. I don't know how it's going to open in the open. That's, for, that's a fact. It may open at $100 for all I care. I'm still going to buy some. I still want to own some. I'll probably add on any dips. Um, I'll probably trade options on it too after I own it. But again, I like this IPO. I really can't wait to get in it. And I'm definitely going to buy Uber as well. And I definitely want to buy Airbnb as well. So again, those three companies I really like. I like the disruptors. You know, look at Airbnb. They're changing the name for hotels. Hotels are definitely worried about Airbnbs. Airbnbs are not even legal in some states. I mean, New York is fighting tooth and nail for Ubers. They're trying to find a way to get Ubers out of Manhattan because it's killing the taxi cab industry where the taxi cab medallions were worth millions of dollars back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Now, people who borrowed money against it are getting crushed because it's all Uber. You don't need a medallion for Uber. You don't need that stuff. There's some things that need to be tweaked in Uber and Lyft. Absolutely. Should they do more background checks in regards to drivers? Should they pay more money to the drivers? I mean, that's something that can be worked on as Lyft gets more public money and they're more in the public eye and they're more of a comp- they're more they're a public company now. You can see their books. Again, I like this IPO. I am definitely going to buy Uber as well. People say, which one, Uber or, or, or Lyft? It's like asking me, what do you like, MasterCard or Visa? I like both. Both do the same thing. One is bigger than the other, but it doesn't matter to me at the end of the day. I want to own both. I want to own the company. I don't want to own the stock. I don't think about the stock. I'm owning a piece of the company and I plan to hold this long term. So again, uh, again, you can do your own research as always. I, I really hope you do. And again, it's a lot of things to look at. Again, a lot of variables. Think about when you before you invest. Can you handle this risk? If you're 60, 55, I may, want, I may wouldn't recommend to you to buy Lyft here. Again, it's an IPO. It's, you know, don't be surprised you lose 50% of your money within the first two years. But can you, can you ride the storm? That's the key. How much is your risk? How much is your risk tolerance? That is the question you need to ask yourself. If you're really young and you have some extra cash and you really believe in this company and the, growth in, and the possibility of growth and the disruption of this sector, automotive sector, ride sharing, tech, this is a company I really, really like. I mean, we've had plenty of IPOs lately. Recently, we've had Snapchat. Uh, I bought it at the open and I sold it. I day traded Snap and I made money. I even shorted the stock in the uh, options market, made money. I don't like Snapchat ever since their IPO. Never liked it. Uh, Blue Apron, never liked that IPO. It's a meal delivery service. Now, you could say that's a disruptor as well. I think a lot of people still like going to restaurants. I don't think it's, an, I don't think it's a, a public company, in my opinion. I don't think Blue Apron should have went public. And they're down because of it. So again, different names that are coming out. These are things that you want to look at. Again, not every IPO is great. I didn't buy Levi's either. It's just a jean company. I'm not going to buy a stock in a jean company. Why not just buy Old Navy or Gap or any of those apparel companies? I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't want to own the apparel company. I'd rather own the retailer personally. That's just me. But again, that's my opinion on the Lyft. Uh, everyone's been asking me questions on it. So yes, I am a buyer of Lyft. I like it here. I don't know the IPO price yet until we open. I believe it's at 10, 30, 11. We should be able to be available to buy. And uh, we'll leave it at that, guys. So again, thank you so much on your feedback. Um, I hope this helps on the podcast uh, to explain Lyft and the disruptor in the market and exactly what to look for. So again, uh, if you're a buyer of Lyft, great. If you're not, totally cool too. I mean, not really against either way. I really don't benefit it for me. I mean, what, a couple cents if you buy some? But uh, again, I don't have a position on it yet. So I wanted to give you that kind of uh, <laughs> uh, a disclaimer first. 
But again, do your own research as always, guys. Know your risk tolerance. That's the key. Again, it's really up to you at the end of the day. Do your research. Uh, find out what investments are best. Or again, like I always say, if you have some extra cash around, just throw in the S&P 500 index fund. No commissions. Very easy diversification. But I still like this IPO. And you know me. Love good values. I love good stocks, especially at, at the initial. I love it. I want to get on the ground floor. So again, let's see how it happens on Friday. I'll definitely post some information on Instagram uh, as I post um, and go from there. I'll even post how much I buy. How's that? I'll post exactly how many shares I buy. I'm not going to go crazy here, guys. Uh, who knows how much I buy? Let's see how I do. But have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you so much for joining me in the podcast. This is Carlos Garcia, founder and CEO of GAR Capital. And uh, we'll catch you for the next podcast episode. Bring that feedback back to me. Make sure you email me, gargmail.com or DM me on Instagram, or go ahead and tweet us at GAR Capital for podcast uh, uh, suggestions. Just put on the subject line, podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. This is what keeps this going. This is free, a free podcast for you guys, free information. We're just here to help, guys. Thank you so much again. You're what make this company great. Have a great one, guys. Thanks again.